Kitchen Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 72, Disney's Dinosaur. Well, here it is. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bloop, and everything in between. I am your host, Morgan Stradling, here with my lovely, amazing prehistoric co-host, Chelsea Robson and Mason Smith. Yeah, you can call me. You can call me the love monkey. <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, please. So, for those of you who are new to the show, we are a podcast devoted to animated films, past and present. And today, we are reviewing Disney's magnificent classic masterpiece, Dinosaur. See, Gripping you say the sarcasm. All that stuff. Yeah, you say all that stuff, and I don't believe it. <laughs> I well, I kind. Of- I kind of mentioned this on the last episode, but it was a struggle to get me to even watch this. Like, literally, I finished the movie two minutes before we started recording. I fell asleep during it at one point. I just, yeah. It so just when I actually did watch watched. the movie, it was, it didn't want to be watched and it didn't need to be watched. Let's just put it that way. The fact that this was the second most requested movie from the viewers apparently shows that I'm missing something. I don't know what you guys are all like crazy about because like, I didn't think it was that bad of a movie. I've, I've, I have watched it several times and think, eh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's not like... Several oh, times? Well, I mean, okay, th- <laughs> this is my third time probably watching this movie. <laughs> so maybe not several, but I have like thought to myself, huh, I haven't watched that in a while. Let's pull that in, you know? So uh, Morgan's intro reminded me of uh, Robin Hood. <laughs> Talking about dinosaur, mm, majestic, <laughs> lovable, yes, yes, cuddly. Mm, that's dinosaur to a T. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Right, so Disney's dinosaur. This was my second time watching it. Yeah, I remember seeing it when it first came out, and me and my uh, best buddy were like, oh, there's like a Disney dinosaur movie in there. It's going to be like Jurassic Park. It's going to be so cool. And um, we were so hyped. (laughs) We were so hyped coming into the theater, and I I remember being pretty impressed like when the movie started rolling, but by the end, we were just kind of like, oh, man, you know? Mm -hmm. We still went out and got the toys. Hey, this movie totally had hand puppets, too. Awesome. Like, we're going to start, we're going to have a ton of similarities with Land Before Time, I know it, and it starts with the hand puppets. <laughs> it always starts with the hand puppets. That's <laughs> where it starts. Yeah. Now, Dinosaur is not considered a Disney animated classic in the UK. Which it's is so weird. That, that's well, so they, weird they, to me, because I remember when Frozen came out, they were saying that it was the 53rd film, opposed to the 54th, and I'm like, how can you just ignore a Disney film and just say, it doesn't exist? It was so bad. We didn't like it. We don't recognize it. It doesn't exist in one country. This one was developed in-house, you know, the same people and and team and and studio that created Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and Pinocchio. And Uh it's just so weird to me that, you know what, and I I kind of agree. Like, there's a part of me that's like, I'm okay if this isn't counted as a classic. Because I always forget (laughs) about this movie when I'm, like, going through the list of, like, Sometimes I like to be nerdy and like run through the order of all the movies in my head just to, to keep oh, up on my stuff. And I always forget about this one. I know, I know. Super nerd. 
I'm glad we have a place for you on the Animation Addicts podcast, Morgan. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fit Morgan in the one who does the hardest work for this whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So not recognized in the in the UK. I'm I'm kind of fine with not recognizing it. Although um, a House of Mouse episode would be kind of cool. A bunch of dinosaurs come in and trample everyone. Cruel Deville's like, oh, make me some purses out of their skin. Discover a world that you've only imagined. Hey, watch it! There's your girlfriend. What you need is a little help from the love monkey. Walt Disney Pictures presents a story of courage, friendship, loyalty, and hope. Stand together! Dinosaur. Rated PG. Film synopsis. This is Dinosaur. After a meteor destroys his home, a prehistoric iguanodon raised by lemurs, two worlds, one family, uh, joins a herd of herbivores on a journey to safety, and in order to survive, he must struggle against the harsh rule of his herd leaders, as well as deadly carnivorous dinosaurs. I wrote that myself, by the way. I'm so proud of you. Oh, really? You're such do you ever, a... Do you ever practice writing synopses for films? No. Uh, well, it's, it's... no, only when I review them. <laughs> like, if you're if you're an animation student and you ever see yourself, like, giving story pitches in the future, like, making up concise synopses for films is is kind of a really fun exercise and really helpful. Nice. All right, next time I'm film student, <laughs> I'll make sure to take that into account. Well, you know, at Pixar, anybody can pitch a story. Wasn't it? Wasn't there a janitor who pitched a story for one of the Pixar movies? Here's what we should do. We should all just join the janitorial staff and just pitch them all of our stories. We should. That's what we it's should really do. It's really hard to be a we Pixar should. janitor. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, after, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very competitive getting into the janit- janitor's program at Pixar. I, I mean, after Monsters U, I bet there was like an influx, nay, uh, a straight-up flood of new janitors <laughs> trying to join Pixar. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and remember, tempering with work materials is punishable by banishment. So, yeah, that is Disney's dinosaur. The end. Can we go home now? Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, basically, so it's, basically de- <laughs> it's basically deep impact uh, plus Tarzan plus the land before time plus the Oregon Trail. And I know some fans are going to be like, it's not before time but oh, i'm just gonna go out and so say it. there are a lot of similarities i mean okay can i just come out and say it does every dinosaur movie have to have a migration part of it like <laughs> that's what it's like land before time dinosaur <laughs> walking with dinosaurs I'm like oh well, my that's gosh what they, do. they migrate that's what, what all else? they do apparently there's we can't have a movie about them staying in place and just sort of having staying you know, in place uh, adventure just, yeah <laughs> well <laughs> yeah gosh forbid they make like an original movie like hey what if dinosaurs came back to to from the past and and uh started stomping around manhattan and helping kids with their problems you know <laughs> i wish there was a movie like that I forgot about that one that's gonna be a good one <laughs> and you know what john goodman needs to be one of the dinosaurs was he in we're back yes he was <laughs> there needs to be some weird golfing subplot anyway um yeah, so this came out in 2000, and boy, that w- I think we've done episodes on uh, 
on movies done in 2000, or at least we've talked about it because there was a lot of animated film going on that year. Disney, especially there was Emperor's New Groove, Tigger movie, an extremely goofy movie. Oh, you. And, um, uh, there's even a Don Bluth movie, Titan AE, which is awesome. That's your favorite Don Bluth, isn't it? Aside from Secret of Nim. Yeah, I really like Anastasia too. Mostly because I like to laugh at Rasputin, the worst <laughs> Disney villain ever. We will get so many emails <laughs> I know. about that. <laughs> I hope so. I'd be trolling here. I'm in the trolling mood. And uh and Chicken Run, yeah, yeah. So the whole the whole Disney thing with uh, Anastasia characters is sort of an in joke with our, our writers. Hashtag Pablo, hashtag bigger troll than me. Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of competition that year for 2000 and, uh, Dinosaur was the most expensive motion picture of 2000, not the most expensive animated film. And, uh, out of all the motion pictures that year was the fifth highest grossing. So it wasn't like it was a total flop when it came out, but since then it's gone on into, uh, Disney obscurity and only the most hardcore of fans, um, still think back to this film apparently. So if you're a listener and, and you really like dinosaur, you're hardcore. Hardcore. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. So, yeah. So my first recollections of this film, I remember going into the theater and I just remember looking at it and thinking, wow, those backgrounds look so real. <laughs> <laughs> they fooled you. <laughs> I know. I honestly didn't tell that they were using actual backgrounds with the CGI layover. So I'd give them that. And yeah. like I said, I even watched this like two years ago just because I was babysitting and I was like, hey, they have it. Huh. I haven't seen that in a while. And I remember watching and thinking, you know, it's actually, it's the, it's really pretty. The dinosaurs at least looked really good, I thought. And, um, I don't know, but how did you guys feel about it? So when I first saw this movie, I think I was along with Mason, like really excited. The trailer for this movie made it look so cool. Like it was almost deceiving in the fact that the trailer, it was like The Lion King where it was kind of the first scene of the movie, just straight uncut and that's all you needed. And it was really lush and it was lots of action and the egg was moving from person or dinosaur to dinosaur to dinosaur. And then you go on the movie and it's nothing like that. It's just dusty wilderness. Um, and they're just trampsing through it for the whole entire time. And so I remember seeing it in the theater, like being excited at the time to see it, but then leaving and then ultimately forgetting about this movie altogether. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I have my, I have more powerful uh, memories of the ride in Animal Kingdom than of the film. Have you guys ridden it? Dinosaur? I had no idea extinction? there was a ride. <laughs> I well, know, but tell the, us what uh, I think I have. Oh, it's great. You you walk in and it's a dinosaur museum, right? But what you're actually going into is a time is a time travel research facility, you know, because it's Disney. And uh, Bill Nye comes up on the screen. And he's like, "Hi, I'm Bill Nye, the science guy." And he talks about um, dinosaurs. He's like, and it kind of leads into it because they have an iguanodon skeleton, and then they have a Carnotaurus skeleton. But it's, it's all Disney fight because apparently Carnotaurus were uh, really small. This was a complaint amongst, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of complaints about this movie. But then he comes in and is like, a, he, he leads into the foreboding is like, oh, and then there's a carnivore who was the most feared predator of that age. Yeah, rip you to pieces. Do not, you know, don't approach the carnivore. We're like, oh, well, it's just a fossil, you know. You go in and it's a, and you get in this time machine and it takes you back. But it quickly turns into this like intense fight for survival because it's, it's, it's at night. So they warp you back in time. At night, and there's dinosaurs everywhere, and it does that. It, the sound design for the ride is is so freaky. Like, 
they they make you feel like there are dinosaurs like literally right next to your vehicle and like they're just going to crash out of the jungle and kill you at any time and then of course you know all the carnivorous dinosaurs attack and traumatic experience for me the first time i wrote it but after that i, I learned to enjoy it much like the uh the tower of terror but yeah so- hey kids want to impress your friends here's some notes on uh, d- the production of dinosaur yeah so if you're one of those hardcore disney fans that really likes this movie now you can talk about how much you know about its production all right 1999 let's take you back a few years uh, this is when walt disney feature animation merges with a smaller studio called dream quest images to form the secret lab. It makes me think of Kuzco going, Yzma's got that secret lab. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the lever. Anyway, uh, so secret lab made dinosaur, and that was pretty much it. After that, uh, they they worked a little bit on um, the Matthew McConaughey cinematic masterpiece, Reign of Fire, <laughs> before being closed due to industry decline. You know, which happens, which happens. So Not Secret Lab didn't last long, but they they made this film. Uh, a little bit of history. Dinosaur was originally meant to be stop motion. This was back in, in the early 90s. But then uh, they saw what uh, Jurassic Park was doing with the CG dinosaurs composited into live action. And they were like, hey, that looks like a pretty good movie. We're going to do the same thing. And uh, originally it was supposed to have no dialogue. I love how... Um, how, like, unoriginal this movie is already starting to get. This is, Wixon, yeah, I mean, They were going to make CG dinosaurs. Hey, we're not going to have any any dialogue. We're, we're not going to be like that Don Bluth movie, uh, Land Before Time, that had a bunch of dialogue. I mean, what were they thinking? Don Bluth's like, hey, I tried that. I tried that. <laughs> yeah, I love how he, like, Land Before Time originally started as this nice original concept of, oh, let's not have any dialogue. Let's just have it be dinosaurs. And then the studio execs are like, nah, no, thank you. The same thing happened here. And the same thing happens, you know, 10, 15 years later with Walking with Dinosaurs. That oh, yeah. movie wasn't supposed to have dialogue, but eventually it did have dialogue. It was just voiceovers, which I think Dinosaur would have benefited from. The You know, they, they were, that was another idea. They were thinking, hey, uh, why don't we just have not their not have their mouths move, but have like voiceover uh, dialogue mm-hmm. for the dinosaurs. And, uh, you know, and the, the right of spring from Fantasia is rolling his eyes the whole time. Like, come on, guys. I got it right. Uh, how about an Eisner moment? Uh, Michael Eisner insisted that the film have dialogue in order to make it more commercially viable. Again, Don Bluth did it first. Uh, in the end, uh, many critics had a problem with the fact that they talked. So in the end, uh, a lot of people didn't like that the dinosaurs were talking. But, uh, you know, the, the commercially like, viable point can be debated. Yeah, well, I feel like it would have been hard to follow the plot line with this movie without dialogue. Well, I think if there weren't dialogue, the plot would be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would be much clearer and more visually telling than it is now. I think that's a decision you have to make, like, really early on in the process Mm -hmm. and then make your script likewise. But since they're like, nope, this is going to have talking dinosaurs, then they really amped up the talking dinosaurs. And a lot of the plot was based on them interacting and talking. So I think, I don't know, I think it would have been, it could have been cool. They could have done in a really cool way. I mean, they would have cut some of like the really cheesy, like the old grandma Triceratops is like, oh, I'm just trying to get there. She's, you know, I just like she's it, a Styracosaurus and she's adorable. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for the correction. Uh, yeah, it, some of like the goofy moments would have just been. I agree. Although I do think they put in enough naturalistic stuff like them fighting and then the roars and the grunts, you know, I like the fact that there's dialogue. I think it's. It's fine. I mean, it's a Disney movie. Everything's going to talk. 
I thought they were going to sing for half a second. <laughs> if we oh. hold on together. Dun, 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 I'm just imagining we'll that happening again time. I'm imagining like the five gang like holding hands, like standing up on their two feet with their with their hands over each other's shoulders and like swaying, sort of like a drunken. <laughs> that is like the ultimate drunk Disney uh, Don Bluth song. <laughs> Someone please draw fan art of that because that's Petrie's the best visual like, I've had of it. Petrie's like, I got a dream. I got a dream. Well, someone get me a glass because this is a tall glass of water. Oh, oh stop it, you big lug. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, speaking of, uh, I did, I did correct Morgan on a, um, prehistoric biology reference there. Uh, apparently biologists had a problem with the film depicting lemurs living in the same time period as dinosaurs. Oh yeah. Big offense. Like, I'm sorry, but biologists must be really bored with their lives if this is what they do. Is this no, what you're doing with your degree? Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> Getting on the IMDB comments section, you know, discussion forums, be like, oh, actually, lemurs didn't live the same time as dinosaurs. I don't mean to offend any biologists that are listening. but They don't have much going on, apparently. But they're like, oh, this is my big moment to make the headlines. Like, shouldn't y'all be in the ocean, like, discovering new life, like... Isn't, like, 95% of our oceans unexplored? I love how, like, reading that comment, you know, when we were reading and, and setting up for this, it was, like, it was misleading people into thinking. Oh, misleading. Think and of I'm the like, children. Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> am I really going to be so, like, I'm going to be at a dinner party. I'm going to be like, oh, like, you know, the lemurs that lived during the dinosaur time. But everyone's going to look at me and be like, oh, you buffoon. You totally I mean, ruined I, our mixer, Morgan. The eyebrow raise. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> Worst cocktail party ever. There's no culture. Um, yeah. Um, Who invited her? Anyway, enough on hating on biologists. <laughs> oh, the, and and fans, all, dinosaur fans, also don't like this film because of the carnotaurs. They wanted a T Rex to be in it. Everybody wants a T Rex. Well, well, Disney decided not to put in the T Rex because after they watched the Lost World Jurassic Park. Um, which showed the T-Rex as more of a maternal, gentle animal. I don't really see where that's coming from. Um, uh, they decided to change the dinosaur to not be so much like Jurassic Park. They wanted a, a cold-blooded evil predator. This is literally a thing. They, they call it uh, fuel for the fire for the anti-T-Rex movement. What? Apparently there's a, a movement in Hollywood to defame the, the raw, carnivorous majesty of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, you must admit, when you think of, like, the most terrifying dinosaur of all, you think of T-Rex. So I feel like a lot of these dinosaur yeah. movies, they make an effort not to show... Like, they're kind of hipster in their, in the way that they make an effort not to use the T-Rex. Let's find some other carnivore that no one has any idea about, and that will be our star. Like, the same thing with yeah. the main characters. It's like, oh, we can't use a stegosaurus. Everyone knows about stegosaurus. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like that the Iguanodon is kind of a, a, a hipster's dinosaur, you know? See, I feel like they're just trying to make the T-Rex less of a villain, just like, you know, this whole theme of making our villains not villains in Hollywood slash Disney. Oh, brother. So, Chelsea. Like, this is the Maleficent of... <laughs> the of... Carnotaur is the Maleficent. <laughs> he was... He was he was jaded and he was jaded and spurned by crone. <laughs> it's crone's fault. Spoiler, both the carnotaurs are women. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, it, oh, uh, how's this for Disney? Um, 
the velociraptors, you know, the little raptor guys that are kind of a threat, you know, throughout the film, they're originally supposed to have little feathers on the back of their heads to make them look like Native Americans um, robbing stagecoaches. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, they, they were. This is, well, you know, you, this is IMDb trivia, you know, but um, apparently that was a uh, that was a production consideration. Well, okay sad. then. Hey, Disney's yeah. never Disney has never ever been one to be historically accurate or sensitive. Let's just let's <laughs> just accept right. that. Yeah. Also, uh, Chelsea's right. The backgrounds are live action, and I totally didn't notice when I was a kid watching it for the first time. So I was fooled. So it was a uh, composited. So would you really call Dinosaur an animated film, considering all the layout and background is live action? Uh, uh, yes, I guess. Because all the all the important characters are animated, you know, all the, you know. Yeah, I mean, the and only I'm sure they touched up is... and composited a lot of the backgrounds, like copied and pasted a lot of stuff, like some really good matte paintings, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's a they do go and there's a lot of places that they had to go to to get the right footage for this, the backgrounds. But there's still like I don't think that there's an actual great big valley like that with a cave that enters in perfectly just as it is. I mean, it's yeah, like, this. Utah Valley. I mean, Chelsea, you don't have any faith in the majesty of our giant world. Of course, there's a big cave somewhere. There's more out there than just than just the U.S. It's true. Filthy Western American. Some but of this anyway. was was filmed in Hawaii, Death Valley, and a bunch of other places. But I thought those were the coolest ones. So I was like, yeah, Angel awesome. Falls is in Venezuela, I think. Uh huh. I thought that was the coolest one. But oh really? Chelsea's all about the desert, you know. I am. <laughs> Oh, talking about desert, let's talk about that. One of the biggest criticisms of this film is, like Morgan said, the intro was this, like, amazing jungle and waterfalls and, oh, the eggs traveling through, like, a river and look at all that stuff. <laughs> Actually, if they had just made a, mo- a two-hour movie about the journey of the egg um, getting to the monkeys, I, I would have been just fine. That would have been more action and drama than, um, you know, put a little Rob Thomas, you know, a little Brian Adams <laughs> in the background, you know. Look into my egg, do 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 do. You will find. Anyway, um, if they would have done that, that would have been a better movie. But uh, in the end, like the meteor impact happens, which is impressive. You know, very Armageddon. You know, very Steve Tyler. And then after that, the entire landscape of the movie is just this like deserted wasteland mud hole. Like, where did the jungle go? Well, meteor. Hello. Yeah, I know, but then there's parts that weren't all meteored. The movie, the environment just got so bleak and boring. Like, oh, rocks, oh, sand, oh, look, a rock cave, you know? I know. Like a rock wall. And it just got really boring. I I realized that's what kind of made the film boring and kind of mundane to me when I first saw it. I didn't realize it until recently. I think that they wanted to make sure that you knew that this is hard this is a not fun, not, um, this is going to This is be a- not a fun movie, kids. <laughs> no. Except like, it. <laughs> like, this, this is going to be a bigger struggle for him. So he grows up in basically a paradise is what you can look at it as. And uh-huh. you've got the trees, you got monkeys and fun, happiness, and everything is just perfect for him. The only thing that he's missing is a girl. And then everything is taken away from him. And now he is in the desolate desert and he has to deal with, you know, hard nosed people. He's got to deal with people who are very close minded and just mean. And so I think a lot of ways they tried to 
kind of show the difference of the the mindset of the people around, which I thought was a really cool thing. They do do a lot with like the mentalities of abundance versus scarcity. And I believe that he comes from this like abundant reality to the other dinosaurs who are more of a scarcity. And so it's like these two mindsets are coming together and trying to see who wins, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good point. Your analysis of the scarcity versus abundance. I wish they could have taken Aladar a little further and kind of given him more of a dynamic to where he kind of falls into that trap of being selfish. Yeah. Like, you know what what, what this movie needed? It needed, one, it needed an actual villain. I don't consider any of the bad guys to be a villain. Mm-hmm. It's very man versus nature, man versus man, dino versus dino, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish Aldar could have had that, like, you lied to me moment, you know? <laughs> Where he, gets, where he gets selfish, you know, where yeah. he gets selfish with the scarcity and he kind of gets pulled into to Crone and um, Bruton's mentality because uh, the lady dinosaur isn't isn't like them. She's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, I just go, go along with it so that, you know, Crone doesn't like beat me to death. Aldar's just kind of the good guy the whole time. He's very um, he's very dusty crop hopper. You know, he yeah. just never changes. He's just a good guy all the time. It's all mm-hmm. I know is to help people. So I wish there was more of a deep deepening of the character. Like, I'm never one to cite uh, character development as a um, as a as a criticism, but it never. Well, I I, I don't like to be that person. Okay. Well, I don't can think I be every... this person? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Morgan. Yeah, I mean, I felt like this plot as I was watching it, there was nothing in it for me. Like, I didn't really care about the main character. I didn't. I thought the lemurs were weird. Um, like I, I couldn't get on board with them. Oh man, and so just then cut as, the lemurs. And then as we like move on, um, you know, we're supposed to care about this girl dinosaur who's like his love interest. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it was the fact that they were dinosaurs, which it doesn't matter. I mean, I've cared about other, you know, anthropomorphic characters before. I, something about maybe because it was like they were supposed to be super realistic and then they were talking and then they just had this sort of generic plot line where it's like, all right, you know, we had abundance and that was destroyed and now we have to go to our new home. I, I just had nothing invested in this movie as I was watching. Yeah. It was actually rather bored. And I think it's because the characters really did nothing for me. There wasn't anything interesting about any of the characters, really, except for maybe like the old lady, the old ladies who were like the cabooses of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> like they were the only ones that I really found hanging out with the golden girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The golden girls with the, the one brachiosaur with supernatural strength at the end. Oh, save you. <laughs> but anyway, um, Morgan brings up an excellent point about the characters. So one of the big criticisms is that, uh, you know, back in the days that dinosaur did not stack up to Pixar which is uh, you know another which was another CG studio at the time, not quite no no longer with us. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it wasn't totally absorbed by Disney at the time. I know, right? You just made it okay. seem like it, it was this other studio. You you wouldn't know about it. it's not around anymore. Well, you wouldn't know about it. Oh, can you imagine um, a, a world without Pixar? And you know what? Okay, so let's think about this. The Good Dinosaur is a Pixar movie that is in, you know, in development, uh, possibly in previs right now. It's it's going to be released in coming years. Do you want? Do you know why The Good Dinosaur is going to work and why Dinosaur did not work? Because Pixar knows about design and character appeal. They know how to take a dinosaur and make it cute and lovable, and you totally 
relate to it and want it to succeed and you're just pulling for it the whole time. Like they got you to feel that way about a rat in Paris. And that's because a, uh, rat. a, a slimy stunted sewer rat. And, um, and, and that's, that's the, like the magic of Pixar. They are so good with design and they are so good with character appeal in dinosaur. The characters are ugly. I'm sorry. Yes. Like beautifully rendered. And uh, that's that's um, I don't mean to I don't mean to critique or um, or insult the animators for this film because the animators did a great job. Like they made character they made dinosaurs talk while looking naturalistic, while also um, conveying a, a real sense of weight and mass and bulk to these creatures. So naturalistically, they did a top notch job. But the characters are ugly and we don't care about them because there's a lack of character appeal. Mm-hmm. Character appeal is one of the 12 principles of animation, uh, ironically, that Disney animators cr- like started or, or christened. And um, I guess the biggest turnoff is that the dinosaurs were too real. I mean, look at Ema, the, styro- the old Styracosaurus. Look at all those wrinkles. Very beautiful. And, and even today... Like, remember a journey to the center of the earth with, um, oh, who's that guy who thinks he's funny, but he's really not? Brendan Fraser. He's always and, available. Uh, yeah, he's always available. <laughs> There's always money in Brendan Fraser. Um, <laughs> uh, the T-Rex in that film was just like, I don't know. It's like someone went on C, you know, uh, cghub.com and downloaded a T-Rex model and animated it. It just looked horrible. So yes, the quality of the animation is good, but the, it just lacks that magical Disney component of character appeal. And we, and we end up not caring about it. This is why Pixar is the good dinosaur is going to blow our minds and be amazing as always. And why Disney dinosaur is totally left in the dust. It better. Now we're like building up this film, even though it got like postponed a lot. Oh, I, I'm fine with talking up Pixar films. There's, <laughs> okay. there's always money in the Pixar film. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development. <laughs> there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway, on yong, but yeah, um, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's my that's my little speech. I do have a lot of good things to say about like the textures of, of the film. Like you can see every wrinkle and yeah. every scale of all the main dinosaurs and, but they're just in the end, they're just ugly and we don't care about them, especially the lemurs. I don't care about the lemurs. Well, going back to what you, what we kind of went into a little bit before, like the, between the scarcity and abundance, my mind just kind of like went to this during the whole film. Um, I liked how Morgan and Mace, both of you guys were saying how like they didn't show him kind of going into this, like seeping into it and then coming out. It was kind of like the constant, I come from this mentality and therefore everybody like, why is everybody like this? All right, whatever. I'm just going to plow through. Um, because if you've been in like situations like that, where you have an abundance and then like all of a sudden it's kind of taken away from you. I had an experience, you know, uh, about a year ago when I first moved out here, all of my bank cards were not from anywhere in the state of Tennessee. And so like, I don't know if you guys knew like the, the target scandal Did that reach out there. Oh it yeah. Target everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, because of that, like my cards were gone. And so I didn't have any cash on hand. I only had enough for like a certain amount of time. And yeah, anyway, long story short, there was about a period of about two weeks where I was kind of out of cash entirely. And I noticed myself even 
like kind of having to mental check myself of like not getting frustrated to not get stressed out to not get in these this mode of survival i guess you could say and it was like no it's okay like because i have money i just can't get to it right now but like i think it would have been a lot better had they had aladar kind of kind of had to check himself as well as opposed to just this is just how life is i don't know yeah he's just perfect throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. and uh, th- this also brings up the somewhat in your face uh message about uh you know scarcity in the world and alternatives to this like me first opportunistic society so like crone is an antagonist i don't consider him a villain he's he's like he's selfish and and proud you know because he's the selfish and proud character, you know, he has to be at odds with the with the humble nice character. I wouldn't quite group him with like General Mandible of ants, you know. Mandible is kind of like more about ethnic cleansing than like survival of the fittest. He was like very <laughs> sadistic with what he wanted to do. Like I consider Crone more of this like fatalist who who knows that there are scarce resources and he'd rather use those resources to help the able who are going to survive rather than uh, Aladar's perspective, which is you should make sacrifices to ensure the well-being of everybody. There's all sorts of, you know, social and political views that go with that. But um, I don't know. I tried to I, – I thought it was an interesting dynamic, but I, I thought it was very, like, maybe that's why I got so turned off. Because there, there are so many animated films out there that are just like, well, if we all hold on together and if we all share, you know, harmony, you know <laughs> – and I guess that's kind of why I rolled my eyes at it, even as a kid. But I, um, I, I thought that was an interesting view. Like, it is easy to be selfish in in the face of of scarce resources. And who knows? We might have listeners who have been in a situation where where um, survival was like was like you know really tough times. You know, where resources are scarce, or, or there's been a disaster in their area. And so it's. This film is kind of an interesting study on how people react to to hardship and um, what leadership can do in that kind of society. I don't know. I don't really put that much blame on Crone. I think he just was very tough, and I don't know. He seemed like he didn't really care about uh, the people. Apparently, he had, like, two sons. You know, the boys that he tried to force to jump to go up the cliff, you know? If they can do it, so can you. (laughs) I don't know. He's like, come on, boys. I was like, what's going on here? You, I don't know. No, I thought those were like orphans. Oh, huérfanos. So, yeah, the dino orphans and all that stuff. Gotta love those dino orphans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was those little, the little baby, there were little baby um, dinosaurs in the pack, but they like never seemed to have a mother. They're just like, come on, guys, get out of the cave. You can do it. Oh, those are him? Yeah. Yeah, those were the baby iguanodons. He's like, where's your parents? And she's like, well, a lot of us are kind of on our own now after the... You know, after the shower uh, of meteors. The shower gotta be of some, meteors. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of land <laughs> before time um, that we could. The the shower of fire. <laughs> the great the great uh, booming. I don't know. The great fire in the sky. The great exploding. <laughs> land before time fifteen. The great the time of the great explodings. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Green yeah, light. So it, green light. So yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on uh, with that, but either either make a totally naturalistic film about dinosaurs just tearing each other apart, no dialogue, no speaking, or make them cartoons. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Make them yeah. cartoons. And, and make them come back to New York City. <laughs> there we go. When I first put this movie in, I saw that it was only, like, roughly 70, 75 minutes long, and I was like, yes! It's a short one. Even the creators knew that I didn't want to watch this. So I'm glad that <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty short and to the point. Um, but even then, they're like we've been talking about this whole time, there like wasn't much to it. Like I really like the themes of abundance and scarcity that Chelsea brought up. Um, you really added some depth to these characters, Chelsea. Hey, you uh, know? opened my mind. Thank um, you, Chelsea. You're welcome. Someone I had to do it. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but I thought that one part was interesting. Is they they go through this drought and they're. You know, they finally get to what we call the promised land or the breeding grounds. And and then it, we're not done. Like, a lot of movies do this. Like, you think we've made it and, like, yay, they've reached the end. Hooray. And then there's another, you know, troubling time or situation that comes. Um, and that's what happened with this one. Like, we, they reached the grounds and then there was another 10, 15 minutes that we still had to overcome some things. Which I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. kind of cool, you know, kind of a twist ending. Like, it's not it is. Yet, you know, Aladar could have just, like, chilled with the old lady dinosaurs and, and Earl, whatever he is. I didn't <laughs> like the fact that Earl just virtually disappeared. It's true. From the movie for, like, 30 minutes there. You are so correct. I didn't get him. I wanted to be that, like, I wanted him to be that, that character that doesn't speak, you know. I hate to bring this up, but the you know the nut job. Um, there was a uh, Surly's buddy, the mouse that doesn't talk, and then at the very end he does talk, and it's like the most heartwarming thing of the in the movie for what it's worth. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I love you. Yeah, very uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> That's an even better one. But Earl should have been like you know, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the elderly dinosaurs were like, no, we don't want to help him. And Earl's like, That's it. I've had it with your emotional constipation. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to save him. Sometimes you embarrass me. Um, You could have been like the Tantor of the movie. He doesn't really do anything. He just like shows up with his stick. There's absolutely no relationship between Aladar and Earl. There's no relationship between Earl and anyone, not even the audience. So why have him? They needed a spike character. I mean, they had to get their fellowship in. They had the last long neck of its kind. <laughs> they had the three horns. Okay, maybe a few more. Yes. And then they, you know, it's they needed a spike. They yes. had the like little foot character of oh man, I was, Aladar. You're yeah, so right. I was I was searching for a self doubting pterodon or a pterodactyl for <laughs> the whole movie. Are those character types something that's just true to a land before time? Or is that something that's more characteristic of, of lots of group films? You know, you got a gang and they each have their own characteristics and one doesn't believe in himself and one's the leader. I mean, I feel like I see that a lot in films. You know why I liked um, Ice Age is because they totally destroyed that that stereotype. Like all the characters in Ice Age pretty much hate each other until the very end. Like, they're True. constantly untrustworthy, and they don't take each other seriously, and they don't respect each other until they all realize that they need uh, the one thing that brings them together, which is the little Neanderthal kid. I, I do agree. You know, in these, like, you know, get your bros together. We're going on a road trip for survival, you know. One of the one of those, like, journey, odyssey-type uh, things where there's a group dynamic. I, I don't think there was enough conflict in the group in this film. Agreed. Although I'm Ema, the- I, I did really like Ema. I thought her character was great. You know, old old crone who's just complaining and she's like ready to die constantly, you know, but at the same time, she's all Aladar has. And then uh, Baleen, who's 
who's entertaining because she's just very kind-hearted and motherly. And but at the end, you know, she proves her usefulness by, uh, you know, by attacking the stone wall and breaking them into the promised land. So, I mean, there are there are some redeeming qualities to their group, but it's just not dynamic enough to to make me care about them. So, what did you think about the love story interest? Was that necessary in this movie? Yes and no. I guess because, well, sheesh, I don't know. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the film, Aldar was like, yeah, this is great and all, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to die alone. <laughs> so there needed to be that. There needed to be a little bit of redemption for him, mm-hmm. you know, to give him to give him a goal to strive for. Like, yes, he wants to go to the breeding grounds, but he also kind of wants to, to have a normal dinosaur life, you know, the urge to mate. Oh, my gosh. Part of survival. <laughs> well, it's the circle of life, Morgan. I understand. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> oh, man. what do you guys rate it? <laughs> like after analyzing it, I, I've come up with a new rating for it. I was originally going to do two point two and a half, but yeah, just two two tree stars. Not a, not a fan of this movie, but I'm a huge dinosaur fan. It's just that they 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 went in the wrong direction, mixing the naturalistic environment and uh, and animation and effects with uh this concept of of emotable characters which i think kind of failed sorry disney i'll give it the 2.5 stars it had enough visually to make it worth it for me i really did appreciate the animation on all the dinosaurs like one point i was watching and aladar gets when he comes out of the water at the very beginning you can see that he's wet and it's just it's just really, really good animation. And that was something that I really appreciated, even from the very first time that I watched this movie, even to now. I think that the dinosaurs themselves hold up over time just because they did go for the more that naturalistic style. And so it it seemed to hold up better as opposed to the lemurs, which I just couldn't look at for most of the film. But yeah, there was just there's no real substance to the storyline. So but because of the good things about it, I give it 2.5. Oh, Oh, I really liked the score. There are a lot oh, of yeah. parts of it that I was like, that sounds really cool. Very That's, epic. Um, it's James Newton Howard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, they did, did a really good job at creating that feeling of just – some of the songs were just – I just really liked. So because of – he pushes it up to 2.5. So good job. <laughs> Was there a uh, was there a pop song during the credits? I didn't stick around for that. No, there wasn't. There was supposed to be. Apparently, oh. there was supposed to be a pop song. Um, it's like stand together, kill the predators. I don't know. Okay, so originally there was supposed to be a song by Kate Bush, who was a pop singer at the time. I oh, yeah, never her. heard of this person, uh, but according to the Kate Bush fanzine, I was like, she was big enough to have her own fanzine. Fanzine. Yeah. Um, the song was cut because they wanted her to rewrite it, according to her, and she refused. Uh, however, according to Disney, they said, no, no, no. Actually, test audiences didn't react well to the song, so that's why we cut it, which I'm kind of calling BS on Disney's part. I, usually in the test sequences, the, the songs are not done, at least from my experience attending test screenings. The, the songs aren't ready enough to go in there. Um, yeah, but uh, sometimes they are. Not so, not like original songs like this. Sometimes they are, but anyways, I don't know. I, I maybe I hope Disney wasn't lying, but anyways, there was supposed to be this like awesome pop song, you know, that was supposed to be somewhere in the film. I don't know if it was beginning or the end or whatever, but it was cut. Anyways, let's go to my review. I'm gonna give it two stars. 
Um, I was thinking about it. I like to kind of like rate these next to other films that I gave likewise ratings. And I remember giving, giving Clyde with his chance of meatballs two and a half stars. And I received a lot of flack for that. Oh, you did before the movie came out. And then after people came out, after the movie came out and people saw the movie, I think they were like, eh, I guess she was kind of right. But like, oh man, it was drama because I gave it two and a half stars. Um, I was like, well, you see the movie first and then come back and let me know. (laughs) Anyways. Um, so I think this movie was worse than that one in my book. So for that reason, I'm going to give it two stars. I think kind of the, the main reason for it is because this movie was misguided from the beginning. It was sort of built on this premise and this plot, like let's make a dinosaur movie that shows off our technology. So they were kind of holding off on making this movie because they wanted the technology to be ready. And it was so focused on let's make these realistic dinosaurs that looks really good in CG. And then we'll kind of cobble together a story about it. And it's going to be pretty generic. It's going to not going to be anything special. The characters, you know, you're not going to love, you're not going to want to go out and buy these, uh, merch, all the merchandise and action figures to this, unless you're Mason. Um, to me, I mean, the, I don't think of dinosaur in, on a daily basis. Like I do Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. It just sort of, you know, falls into the, the abyss and I forget about it. Even now I, having just watched the movie, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to replace it with something a bit more iconic in my mind. Um, just something that will kind of appeal more to me. Anyways, it was a really long rant, but I just, yeah, it didn't resonate with me. I wasn't interested. I feel like with so much emphasis on the animation, the fact that they made the dinosaurs talk was weird because they were like kind of goofy at certain times. Like they were really serious and then they got really goofy. So they were like on both ends of the spectrum, which I didn't really like. I would have liked them to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and also the animation really dated itself. I felt that it was, it just looked old, which, you know, there are other movies from even earlier CGI movies that, that don't date themselves quite like this one did. And so Jurassic yeah, Park. two stars. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Um, two stars. Well, all right. I don't think that was a rant. That anyway. was so a rant. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to dissipate the bad the bad. I, feel, I actually feel really bad because normally, like, all of us are very positive. We have great things to say, but, uh, you know. So in conclusion, fans, the next time we ask you to pick our, vi- our movie. <laughs> don't torture us. Make it a good one. Hey, I yeah. was just glad it wasn't the Lord of the Rings again for me. <laughs> voicemail and mailbag segment we got two voicemails about this movie and so let's go right into it hi rotoscopers this is cindy from taiwan greetings Um, when i noticed that the upcoming episode was about dinosaur i was totally hyped up because it is one of the disney films that can easily put into my top 10 list even top three after treasure planet and tarzan This is also the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I was six when my uncle took my brother and I to watch it, and I was absolutely stunned by the visual effects and the soundtrack, especially the soundtrack, and how real they made the dinosaurs. It was awesome. The characters are all memorable to me, and story, though been told thousands of times, but it's still great. 
to me. Um, I remember that I think of my uncle as Aladar and my aunt as Nira because they are so alike and so perfect together, just like what it is in the movie. And I also remember acting like a dinosaur in public and didn't feel ashamed about it. That was pretty funny to think about it now. Fun memories. But what I love most about Dinosaur is the one thing it taught me. Unity is strength. The importance of teamwork, friendship, looking after one another when things get really difficult. In short, this movie means a lot to me and I'll love it for all eternity with my other favorite Disney movies. As for suggestions about the future episodes, I really hope that you can do an episode about Treasure Planet or an episode about underrated animated movies that are actually good but didn't do well in the box office. And that's quite all. I'm looking forward to the upcoming episodes. So keep up the good work. And bye. See you later. Hi, guys. My name's Jess, and I've emailed you guys before in the past. Big fan. Love the podcast. I heard you guys were doing a podcast on dinosaurs. Um, I just listened to the Land Before Time one. It was great. <laughs> As for dinosaurs, I'm with you, Morgan, when you said that you didn't get it. <laughs> you don't get why it's so such a popular request to review. I don't get it either. I I really didn't like this film, like not enough to be hate against it, but I just didn't like it. I didn't find it compelling. I felt it was trying too hard. The animation annoyed me. I And I don't think I watched it all. I, I think I got three quarters of the way through and was just like, no, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, so I'm probably going to have to sit this podcast out in listening to it because I just don't think I'm going to be able to get through that one either, even if it is you guys reviewing it. I, I just really don't like the film. I'm sure there's a lot of other people that do, otherwise you wouldn't have so many requests for it. But I really appreciate all the podcasts. It's great to listen to and keep up the good work. Bye. Ow, harsh. <laughs> Way <Rude>. harsh, man. <laughs> Not even, not even for us, Jessica. That's, that's harsh. You don't, you're not even going to hear about our fantastic giveaway. One million dollars to the <laughs> 100th downloader of this, of this episode. That's right. We're not even expecting a hundred downloads. <laughs> Hi, Road Discoverers. My name is Thomas Levitt. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Really enjoy, uh, everything you guys do. Chelsea, Morgan, and, uh, Mason, of course. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm a, uh, Ariel Priva's artist at Disney feature animation. Well, Disney Toon Studios. And I was at Disney feature for the last six months helping out with, uh, Big Hero 6 for their flight stuff. And, um, that's a lot of fun. And I'm out here in Colorado Springs today to watch the, uh, opening night for Planes 2. That'll be fun to see. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Love what you guys do. I love uh, listening to you guys as I go to and from work, it's inspiring and it's fun to hear, uh, uh, your guys' view on the craft that is animation and, uh, all the story details are just pretty spot on. So I'm constantly impressed with you guys and, uh, it means a lot. Um, as far as dinosaur, I, I remember enjoying the movie when it came out, uh, uh, seeing how innovative it was with its uh, 3D. You know, it, the story it felt a lot like Land Before Time, story-wise. I'm still waiting for a dinosaur movie that 
doesn't feel like the same plot as Land Before Time, and, you know, hopefully we'll get that with Good Dinosaur coming up here. But uh, it'll be fun to listen to it again and uh, see what you guys have to say about Dinosaur. Um, I know it was extremely expensive to make from talking with people here, and uh, guys who worked on it said they they did a lot of uh, scouting out different landscapes and uh, was talking with the layout soup. Uh, Terry Moens on the film and they would go out for months and come home for a couple weeks and back out trying to find, oh I'm running out of time anyway uh, complicated project but super cool uh, love listening to you guys, take care bye he's running out of time, he has a 10 minute time limit <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome voicemail, thank you so much Thomas I think it's incredible that you work for Disney and Disney Toon studios yeah. and have access to all the people that worked on dinosaur see that's the problem when i like when i review these movies and then i hear about people who who worked on them and i'm like oh i'm not bashing you i swear it's nothing against you you just did your best and one thing he mentioned he did mention the backgrounds and the live action footage was something that i i don't know if i commented on in the episode but I was really, really impressed with the, the yeah. footage that was shot and the way it was used. I think, um, and that's something that Walking with Dinosaurs copied in, in their model. They kind of did the exact same thing. Um, so I think that was very effective um, and an interesting way to, uh, you know, okay, we're going to spend all our money on rendering these dinosaurs. We don't have time to do the backgrounds uh, and give them justice. So let's just shoot them. And even yeah. then, he t- the movie was still incredibly expensive, which was interesting. But you know, I think at the time it did it, visually, it did stand up. Yeah, yeah, I second uh, Morgan's sentiment about not meaning to insult the uh, the artists of the film. I wish. Uh, is there a version of Dinosaur where it's just the backgrounds, <laughs> like same camera movement, same everything, just just the live action footage, and they they could put it up on IMAX and show it at like a museum. It'd be like really cool. Bonus features for the 50th anniversary DVD (laughs) or whatever will be in there. To wait 30 years for that. All right. We have an email review from Joshua K. He says, hi, Rotoscopers. It's time for the Dinosaur 2000 movie. First up, I wasn't so sure about this if it would be good because it was directed by a guy who worked on stuff like the Care Bears movie and Home on the Range. Hey, don't you diss Home on the Range. Disney classic from 1955. (laughs) You understand what I'm talking about. Then go look at the Rotoscopers Instagram. Yeah which aren't animated masterpieces. But I did like some of the things, including the effects and the relationship between Aladar and the lemurs. Also, I was surprised that Samuel E. Wright, the voice of Sebastian and Mufasa, voiced a character in this. It just seems odd for him to do this film. Also, following the marketing ideas of The Lion King, they just slapped the opening as a trailer, and I think I remember seeing that trailer on a VHS. And a problem that I have is the having the dinosaurs talk trend that is in pretty much every single dinosaur animation film there is. But at least they have dinosaurs' voices match up with the mouth animation, unlike Walking with Dinosaurs last year. Another thing I like is the score. I think it's really epic. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Walt Disney Animation Studios' 39th movie, Dinosaur. Joshua. Hello, Rotoscopers. My name's Mary-Kate, and I'm a longtime listener, first-time commenter. I have several things I'd like to say. For one, my love for your show has grown tenfold since the beginning of the year, something I didn't even think was possible before, considering this has always been my favorite podcast. The variety of movies has just been all over the place this year, and you've covered some of my absolute favorite movies, such as Spirit and The Lion King, one of the few movies I can quote word for word. But you've also led me to learn about and watch some movies I've never heard of before you covered them, such as Cats Don't Dance, The Last Unicorn, and one of the more recent episodes, The 
animated version of The Lord of the Rings, some of which I've enjoyed the movie in question and some not as much. There are a few movies I was wondering if you could consider to do in future episodes in the near future. Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear, two of my favorite Disney movies, despite coming from a rough patch in the Disney renaissance and a period of better Disney movies we're having now, top of the list. Or as I call them, the movie about sisters from before Frozen and the movie about someone turning into a bear before Brave. I think I also suggest Polar Express, Finding Nemo, Shrek. I'd really like to hear more on what you guys think about all the pop culture references after hearing it mentioned in the Hercules episode and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Lastly, in your most recent episode, you guys were discussing actors you'd want to voice you if you were an animated character and someone mentioned Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson. I just wanted to say that, you, that I actually got to meet both of them recently at Megacon, a convention that took place near where I live. Both are extremely nice. Rob actually sang the entire country song from Animaniacs for the person in front of my friend and I. And I actually considered telling them about your new interview podcast. Except when I talked to them, I could barely get out high. But they also did a panel with a bunch of other voice actors where they read the Ghostbusters script in their characters' voices. Well, I heard Winnie the Pooh curse and make innuendos, so that was interesting. If you're interested in watching it, here's the link. Thanks for reading my rather long email. I love you guys. Keep being awesome. Married Kate. Hey, cool. I love a good Jim Cummings story, and uh, your story about the, uh, him and Ron Paulson at Megacon um, is awesome. I love when uh, people do videos of uh, famous voice actors reading scripts that have nothing to do with the characters they've done, but they do it as like Winnie the Pooh or Darkwing Duck. Like, I really liked that Star Wars one with Jim Cummings, and um, but yeah, thanks for being a fan. Rotoscopers, fairly new to the podcast, literally found you guys two weeks ago and have been plowing through the show since. I'm a huge animation fan ever since I was really young and have been drawing for probably even longer than that. I even had some childhood goals to get into animation after watching old Disney cartoons and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But in the last few years, I have been slowly focusing more on illustration, cartooning, and comics. One of the films that really piqued my interest when I was a kid was The Secret of Nim by Don Bluth. Love his films about as much as Disney's. My question is, but I'm sure you've had this asked before, will you be doing an episode on The Secret of Nim? You've mentioned it in passing on the show, but I feel it deserves its own episode. Also, you guys have Frozen to thank for bringing a new fan to your show. Watched it not long ago for the first time and loved every minute of it. So then I went to find some podcasts about it, or animation in general, and you were the top of the list. I do have another question regarding your thoughts on something from the Blu-ray. The making of featurette on these films I always find very interesting. So I went to watch the one for Frozen, and all I got was a music video tour through the studio halls and ended with no real info on the making of the film. Kind of bummed by that one. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say for now. Thanks for making this amazing podcast. Very informative and fun feel to it. To parody the Toy Story song, You've Got a Fan in Me. Thanks, Chris C. So, yes, we actually will be doing The Secret of Nim in future episodes. As we mentioned, after our Dinos and Dragons series, we are going to kind of continue with the Chinese Zodiac, and we're going to do Rats and Mice. Um, and so, obviously, with that, we have to do Don Blue's Secret of Nim. And so, get ready for that. I think that is projected to be around November, December. <laughs> Or October, I don't know. Uh, quarter four. Quarter four. So keep a lookout. Quarter four. What a business major. Greetings, Rotoscopers. My name is Patrick. I live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm one of those lucky white guys who gets to work in the anime industry. Anywho, being of Irish stock, I have a distinct love for the language and rhymes. For that reason, the animated adaptations of the Dr. Seuss films have always appealed to me. They expertly combine fun character designs with funny-slash-witty line dialogue and rhymes. What do you guys think? Would you ever consider doing an episode or nerdy couch discussion on the beloved Dr. Seuss? Keep up the excellent podcasting. Cheers, Patrick. You know, Patrick, I, I like... I don't know. I like the um, the Dr. Seuss animations that were done by Warner Brothers or like, you know, by, done by the Looney Tunes animators. And uh, they're slipping my mind. But I know there's a really fam famous one who did like the Grinch and stuff. Chuck Jones. Yeah, Chuck Jones. Thank you. 
um, I would love to do an episode on how the Grinch stole stole Christmas or, uh, um, I don't think we did the Lorax, although we talked it up a lot the first year we did the pro- podcast. We have, a, we had a lot to say about the, po- about the Lorax. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing a, an episode we were on. for news. <laughs> I know. Oh, the good old days. Uh, we were so young. I, we would, I would totally consider doing an episode, totally consider doing an episode for, uh, Dr. Seuss, you know, cartoon adaptations. Also, I think that, I think the fact that you're a, a white guy who works in the anime industry, like you said in your, in your email, I think that's super cool. You are a rare flower indeed, Mr. Patrick Son. Hello, Rotoscopers. My name is Jessica. I'm a university student studying screenwriting, living in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm a newbie to the podcast. Let me just say that I absolutely love it. Being a total film slash animated film geek myself, I just love listening to your discussions of some of my favorite films of all time, like Howl's Moving Castle, The Lion King, Coraline, and Tangled. Although, I end up listening to your podcast when I'm often meant to be doing some other assignments. Yikes! I discovered your show, weirdly enough, through a gift set on Tumblr of a scene from A Monster in Paris. My curiosity was sparked. I watched the entire film and I adored it. After looking for the film on iTunes, I found your episode on A Monster in Paris and I've been listening ever since. I'm a volunteer at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, ACMI, in Melbourne where the DreamWorks exhibition is currently being held. It's so amazing seeing the original sketches, 3D models, and script pages from all these amazing films, and I can't help but think of how much you guys would love it. Maybe come to Australia before October and I'll give you a tour. Kidding. Anywho, keep up the great work from your new subscriber, Jess. Thanks, Jess. I love that when we review some of these more obscure films, people are able to, you know, discover us because really no one else has reviewed these movies and and then they become new fans of the podcast. Anyways, talking about the DreamWorks exhibition that is in Australia, of course, I would love to go. I think it's uh, such a bummer that it's only in Australia, but then so cool for you guys. So I'm really excited that you're able to volunteer at it and um, you know, see some of the cool things. I'd love to see more pictures. I've seen a few things, um, but I, I would love more videos and, and whatnot. But yeah, if I'm, I'm ever in Australia before October, I'll definitely give you a ring. <laughs> I would love to go to Australia. so much for listening to the podcast today we know it was one of those that probably not a lot of people are going to give a lot of time and effort to because of the subject matter but hey i think who we... knows this could be our most popular <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna yeah. break the server <laughs> it's gonna break the server yeah it's gonna break the server's server because i know about go. technology Ooh, <laughs> bigger troll than me nice um, yeah thanks for bearing with us folks yeah, but I, I still have fun getting together with everybody. Uh, so definitely if you're, if you're tweeting about the show, make sure to use the hashtag animaddicts. That's A-N-I-M addicts. And then also because this is the very end of the podcast, the hashtag that we're using is hashtag bigger troll than me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Pablo made it. <laughs> uh, make sure to check out if you want to see any of the notes from the podcast, know of anything that we're talking about, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 72, and you can find everything there. We also are available on Hypable and Animated Views. Subscribe to us on iTunes. 
we have had so many really awesome, fantastic fans who have gone in and given us five-star reviews. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to those who gave us five-star reviews. Um, specifically, we want to give shout-outs to Kenobi Chen 24, The Disney Kid, Dom D. Donato, Smart underscore F96, Moonshine 446, Cameron Patel, Twin Dash XY, Mix Mitty, or Mick Smitty, Litter 1967 and Nathaniel Day. Thank you so much for your reviews. Um, they really mean a lot to us and we appreciate you guys, you know, coming within the past few months and giving us those reviews. Yeah, totally. Okay, listeners, if you want to contact us on the Rotoscopers, you got something to say about the show, about us, uh, you know, discuss one of the movies, then send us a line, email at us at contact at rotoscopers.com and also you can leave a voicemail at rotoscopers.com slash voicemail, and also at the number 406-646-6575. That's 406-646-6575. All right, also you can check us out on our individual online locations, Morgan Straddling, at Morgan Straddling. And uh, you can find Chelsea on Twitter also, at Chelsea Robson. Also, ChelseaRobson.com will take her to your, her Facebook if you want to be buddy buddies. Uh, my Twitter is a little more complicated, such is my life. May, at uh, Mason SMTX. That's Mason SMTX. And also introducing uh, my portfolio site is also Ooh. online. So, go, yeah, go to MasonSmithPortfolio.com. Uh, check out my demo reel. Check out uh, the works that I've been involved in, my resume. Uh, if you're an industry professional, I am seeking an undergrad internship for the fall. And uh, this is just a little... A little shout out to say that I am available. You should check out my portfolio, masonsmithportfolio.com. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Amazon and audible.com. So uh, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon is the link you should be clicking on to do your Amazon shopping. Want to know why? Because it supports the rotoscopers while you shop. So that is our Amazon affiliate link that sends a, a, a little, a little bit to us to help out the show while you do your shopping. So it's a great way uh, to help out. Also, audible.com is your resource for audio books. Audible is so great. Guys, I drive a lot. And so I'll spend at least two hours of my day driving. And I get to listen to so many awesome books via audible.com. And that's one of my, it is really my go-to place for any book out there because I just don't have a lot of time. So I get to read or at least you know, know what's going on in these books that are, everybody keeps talking about. So definitely go to rotoscopers.com slash audible. Also, huge announcement, people. Better sit down because you're going to be standing right up when you hear this. Wee-woo, wee-woo, t-shirt pre-order. Yay! That's right, adoring fans and random citizens. The Rotoscopers t-shirts are ready for pre-order. Go to rotoscopers.com slash store. And uh, you can pre-order your very own awesome, exceptionally designed. Like, seriously, the designs for this t-shirt went through a gauntlet of judging from us. A gauntlet, a veritable gauntlet. So now you can pre-order your very own Rotoscopers t-shirt to show your animation pride and your love of the Rotoscopers to the world. Like, I want to see people's Instagrams exploding with with pictures of them wearing their Rotoscopers t-shirts. Yes. You know, like while touring Pixar or (laughs) at school or, you know, something cool like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Use use the hashtag RotoShirt whenever you post it. I'm telling you on Instagram. (laughs) 
I absolutely cannot wait to get mine. It'll be so fun to, to represent the show that we love. And uh, now all of you can pre-order a t- your very own T-shirt. So we have a limited run of Rotoscopers t-shirts that were the winning design from the Rotoscopers t-shirt contest. Um, it's really cool. They look really awesome. We ordered 200 of them. So once we're out, we're out. But you can go to rotoscopers.com slash store, and you can go and buy the t-shirts there. They're really cool, and they're one way that you can support the show and help make sure that we keep these podcasts going. Woohoo! Just think of it. Rotoscopers merchandise. Rotoscopers swag, if you will. We have been waiting two and a half years for this. Yeah, do you want the Rotoscoper swag? Do ya? Do ya? Check it out. Rotoscopers.com slash store. All right, guys. Until next time. We are the Rotoscopers. Guys, we are done in an hour and a half. That's how you do a podcast. That's how you do it. Okay, view results. Um, Top was Sleeping Beauty. Second was Land Before Time. Third was Dinosaur. So, yeah, I mean, not counting Sleeping Beauty, the the most second most requested. Uh, and then with 37 votes, with 36 votes was Ice Age. Someone didn't vote to bump it up. So next week we'll do Ice Age. Oh, Ice Age. Yes, yes. So positive. Good. <laughs> I'm glad someone's excited. <laughs> Doesn't anyone care? Doesn't anyone care about Kid the Cloth? Anyway. <laughs> We're on movie 49 of 500 of our animated main characters without parents series. Uh, despite what my mom will tell you, I believe that antivirus software is a huge waste of time and it just serves to data mine and slow down your computer. Oh. Good to know. And that's Mason's cynical moment for the day. I, th- I feel like we're going to have a lot of those moments today. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. I was, you know, some of the... Some oh, of the, you looked at it? I did. <laughs> sure. You posted it and I looked at it. it was oh. Like, yeah, I, I liked a lot of your... um, What is it called when you play with the puppet thing? Animation? No. <laughs> <laughs> rigging? Rigging, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I can't remember the word. I really liked the rigging video that you had. I thought that was really well done. And the, when he like comes out of the hole, I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out his profile. I'm going to add her uh, YouTube video to the, oh, it's a, of uh, Jim Cummings cussing. I'm going to add that to the show notes. Dude, right now have you, you, have you watched it. the video of Jim Cummings uh, doing Star Wars lines as Winnie the Pooh and Darkwing Duck? Yes, those are so good. Find the rebel spies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the pinnacle of my voice acting career would be to nail every voice that Jim Cummings does. (laughs) He's only my idol. (laughs) 